Well, you know what I think. I'm a Christian. I'm not going to deny that. I do want everyone to feel comfortable. That's why I'd like to talk to you about Jesus. Please do not go religious. Somebody's going to hell over there. He better not. Even the devil will speak the truth for, for his own purposes. This is war. Accept it. Back to Jerusalem podcast. Yeah, I'm back and I'm armed with righteousness. With your host, Eugene Bach. He just seems like he's got it all figured out. He's a righteous dude. Yep. Hello and welcome to another Back to Jerusalem podcast. I'm Eugene Bach coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of America where I've been traveling around for the last couple of weeks and I am ending my journey on the West Coast in America and I have the distinct privilege of being together with Rabbi Miles Weiss. Thank you so much for joining us, Miles. Eugene, it's always a pleasure to be with you, and I love doing these broadcasts with you. I like the way you call it wall-to-wall coverage. Mm. Uh, China's Great Wall to Jerusalem's Western Wall. Amen. This is something that uh, Miles and I have done a couple times before. We hope to do it more in the future, at least once a month. Uh, it has not been easy. You have been on the go for the, the last couple weeks, as I have. So connecting in person is a real treat. To do wall-to-wall coverage from the Great Wall of China to the Western Wall of Jerusalem. And the Western Wall in Jerusalem has had a lot of action lately. Yeah, we're seeing some amazing things happen. As you know, last time we spoke, I believe it was about the monumental Trump announcement that, in fact, Jerusalem is the historical heartland, homeland, capital of Israel. Well, that has had ripple effect throughout the nations. Uh, First, there was a hue and cry about it as if uh, somehow it was a shock and a surprise, which it was to many people, but it was really a prophetic fulfillment, something that God is doing as he prepares for the return of Yeshua of Jesus. And so we're looking at prophetic timelines lining up and speeding up. And that, of course, affects the Back to Jerusalem movement in China in a powerful way because you guys are the one of the seminal aspects of the gospel going throughout the whole world, which Jesus said had to happen before his return. And since that announcement, because everybody was saying there's going to be massive riots and there's going to be blood in the streets. And from what I saw, it was almost like the news was covering anything like an old lady trip. They were going to be there and look violence everywhere, but it wasn't that bad. I mean, yeah, there was violence, but it's the Middle East. There's violence anyway. I didn't see anything that looked like a big reaction in that area. Yes, the Palestinians pulled away from the peace process which you and I talked about. Maybe they weren't even in the peace process anyway. Um, it seems like and, – and you correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong. You're watching this stuff a lot closer than I am. One of the key people that I have found fascinating has been Jared Kushner from the, the son-in-law to the president because I don't think anybody in the past that I know of has ever had an open-door access to the president of the United States like the son-in-law now does, and he's a, a a central part to the peace process. And from what I've read, don't know anything other than what I've read, um, he is the one that suggested now was the time to make this call. And as you said, it was a prophetic timing as that this was the year of Jubilee for the return of Israel in 1967. Yeah, the return of Jerusalem to the ownership of Israel in 1967. And going back, as we've talked about, 50 years prior to that, 50 years was 20, was, excuse me, 1917, when Allenby crossed over into Jerusalem. It's when the, the Ottoman Turks gave up Jerusalem after the defeat. And 50 years before that was when Sir Charles 
Charles Warren discovered the city of David, another major archaeological find that verifies the historical presence of the Jews 3,000 years ago in Jerusalem. So these prophetic timelines are not only lining up, they're stacking up, they're speeding up. And Jared Kushner is one of actually a number of people that are playing a major role in the, the winning of the hearts of Israel, the opening of the doors of Israel, the refreshing, you could say, of the relationship between the United States and Israel. Another key player is, is Vice President Mike Pence. When he spoke to the Knesset, when he spoke to the Israeli parliament, he did so with a verifiable knowledge, a biblical knowledge and a historical knowledge of the heartache and the, the history of Israel. And that's unprecedented. He's the first vice president to ever do it. But also to see and to watch the Israelis' reaction to him, and he even prayed in Hebrew, which of course was a big win for the for the United States. I did not hear that. I did not know that he prayed in Hebrew. Oh, awesome. By the way, um, you being in the U.S., you've probably seen that there were morning talk shows really ridiculing the Vice President of the United States because he says that he hears from God, and yeah. that was a complete joke. And so he became the butt of a lot of jokes, and it made me ask the question: I wonder what the reaction would have been had those same talk show hosts made fun of somebody that was Muslim uh, that said that you know they heard from God in the Quran. Never going to happen because of this unholy alliance between the left in America and Islam around the world. And it is it's it's a cabal. It's a it's a strange alliance that will not be strong or helpful to American liberal thinking because eventually they will be on the chopping block of Islam if Islam has its way. Uh, radical Islam has its way. But it is notable. You know, my background is as a psychologist and a family therapist. So we have testing that we do to test for psychosis. And one of the questions that you often ask is, do you hear from God? You know, and that's why those tests are, they have a limit to their ability to understand people because we know as people that are made of spirit, soul, and body that once we are believers in Yeshua, in Jesus, we actually do hear from God. The Bible speaks to us. Sometimes we get a deep, deep impression of the moving of the Holy Spirit. And so it's natural and normal to to people who are believers, like Pence says, I'm first and foremost a Christian. I'm first and foremost a believer. Well, of course, that's grounds for ridicule. This unholy alliance is not essentially anti-vice president. It's anti-God, anti-Bible, anti-Jesus. Okay, I know that we only have a few minutes together with you, so I would like to use it wisely if we can. Um, I want to ask you about the most recent events that have taken place in Israel because that relates to us. We have Chinese that are serving in Syria. We have Chinese that are serving in Iran. We have Chinese that are serving in Turkey. We have Chinese serving in Iraq. Just last week, we saw that there was a skirmish between Israel, Syria, and Iran, uh, kind of Iran using several different elements as they have been, whether it's Hezbollah, whether it's in Yemen. They have these proxy wars that they've been kind of launching, and we saw a, a, a conflict launch with uh, the invasion of Israeli airspace uh, with a drone in uh, Israel last week, and you were just sharing something with me just a few minutes before we started doing the podcast about Israel's reaction. Uh, could you share a little bit? Sure. The uh, First of all, this has been going on for many, many years. This is not something that came with the Trump administration or that came with a, a sudden burst of Jerusalem as the capital. The, Iran has been working behind the scenes for many, many years uh, trying to chip away at Israel's power and strength. What, when I first started going there in 1996, there, was, uh, there were allegedly 14,000 rockets pointing at Israel from 
from the north, from Lebanon. Now we believe there's over 100,000 rockets pointed at Israel from Lebanon. And if you, you've been there, you understand these distances are very small. This is not China. This is not the United States. These are tiny little distances. Israel, remember, is smaller than New Jersey, as we say. It's a tiny place. And so this pressure from Iran has been growing around the area forever, for a long time. Uh, it's I shouldn't say forever because there is this glorious history of Israel and Iran, of Persia and Israel, that uh, God will have a piece of again in the future. That may be another podcast. But, but what we're seeing now is that uh, Iran, using its proxies in Syria, is pushing the boundaries. And Israel was uh, invaded, their space was invaded by a, a drone the Israelis used high tech to to capture the drone. In the process of the skirmishing that went on, an Israeli plane went down. The pilots ejected. One of them was seriously hurt. They both are alive. But uh, Israel retaliated and sent a very strong message to Iran. Now, you get various reports in the news about how strong the retaliation was. The original report said that Israel just went to where the drone came from and took out that base, that that basically a car trailer, a tractor, a a large implement uh, vehicle that was used to launch the drone. I don't think that's the case. I think what we're really finding out and what will may or may not trickle out into the public ear is that Israel went and did a massive retaliation and m- closer to what happened in 1967 when they took out the entire Egyptian Air Force in a, in a, a premeditated strike once they knew Egypt was coming. Uh, it, it's something similar to that. And the message to Iran is don't do this. You know, do not cross these lines. We are watching. We are waiting. We are stronger and we will retaliate. It's a defensive posture, but it also has a, a measure of, um, pushback in it that, that I think Iran had needed to hear. Uh, what's amazing is that if we look scripturally at these things, there will be a massive conflict that touches Damascus in a very serious way. And I mean that's one of the things that I think we keep our eyes glued to it. Uh, for for one thing, I know that we have not completed the Great Commission yet. So it's 2,000 years later. There's still that final uh, land that has yet to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. What they choose to do with the good news once they get it is up to them. But we have not done what – the very last words to leave the lips of Jesus was the Great Commission as far as is recorded by Luke in the book of Acts. And so – when we focus on the Great Commission, we know that these areas have yet to be reached, but yet we cannot help but watch for the season. And so to have these conflicts between the, these, these biblical names that we see, you know, in Syria and Babylon and, and, uh, even with Russia being involved. But when we have, um, missionaries that are serving in these areas, trying to reach these areas, and then we see conflict, it, I, I think it makes us want to move faster. It makes us want to reach more people in the time that we have. Um, I I don't think that – or maybe you feel differently being here in the U.S., but I feel that we have not had the angst that the first disciples had uh, to complete the Great Commission. But now – I think that I'm living in a generation that we can complete the Great Commission. Uh, we will complete the Great Commission. I know that that sounds a bit <clears throat> out there. I don't see why we can't, and I don't think that we should stop to even breathe before we do what God has called us to do. Um, and when I see this taking place, for me, it's like the clock about ready to strike 12. We have a mission. We have to get the gospel to this area. 
Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I love BTJ, Back to Jerusalem, because you're doing what needs to be done. I try to stir up our people. We're very comfy in the USA. And so whenever I teach about biblical principles and personal things for home and marriage and family, I always move us towards the big picture and the Great Commission. And I'm grateful you're here tonight because we're going to be showing Bibles, not bombs. We're going to let our people here in comfy, cozy Napa, California, somewhere in the U.S., uh, we're going to show them this idea that that while ISIS is bombing and while the wars are taking place and rumors of wars are taking place, that you and BTJ are about your father's business and drink, bringing Bibles into Muslim areas in the world, which is a huge blessing because we are responsible in each generation. That generation is responsible to work while it is de- yet day because the night comes when no man can work. Yeah, and <clears throat> I was in prayer a couple days ago. I don't think I've mentioned this on a podcast yet, uh, but I was in prayer a couple days ago. I was in Idaho, and I just heard God say that comfort is the constant diet of apathy. And when I was sitting and, and that came to me, one of the things that, that – and, and I would love to hear your your take on that as we, as we start to wrap up. But as I set my sights on Jerusalem and the Chinese set their sights on Jerusalem, we know that we're not to do this alone, that there the whole there will be an entire uh, body of Christ that will come and we will join together with them uh, or them with us, however that works, to complete the Great Commission. But that today – I in all these things are said bad about millennials and the millennial uh, generation. But today I really feel that there's this generation that is rising up and they would rather take a job with meaning than a job for money. There is not a lot of people looking for comfort in the millennial generation as much as give me purpose. And I think that's why we're seeing a lot of restlessness because the purpose that they're finding, unfortunately, has been in uh, atheism and communism and some of these radical ideas. But out of that generation, out of this generation that's coming up, I believe that we will be able to make a bigger impact for the gospel, uh, for for the kingdom of the gospel than ever before. Uh, and I know there's a lot of people that might be listening that disagrees. What say you? <laughs> I I think you know I'm I'm from the uh, dreaded terrible era of Woodstock, you know, <laughs> and so I see a parallel between our my generation's rejection of the status quo, mm-hmm. including the religiosity of the era. And what's going on now with the millennials because they are hungry. I mean, think about Iran and the under 30 generation that is just sick to death of religious structures and economic oppression. And they want something that's fresh, that's new, that's meaningful, that has love included in it. And I see that around the world. I see that there is just what you're talking about, that there is a hope so in the next generation. Remember, God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's the God of generations. And whenever we, wherever we find ourselves, I may be Abraham. You may be Isaac, and the, ja- the, the Jacobs are rising. The third generation is in the midst of us, and they, they're hungry. They're, they're bored with the status quo, whether it's a religious status quo or a cultural status quo. And I think you're right. I think that there's a, a desire for supernatural involvement and for meaning and purpose, and, and it's up to us to connect them with the, the voltage of God so they see that it's not just a, a philosophical idea, but it also has an intrinsic uh, motivating meaning within it. And that's what we're doing. Amen. Well, I'm excited to be here with you. Thank you so much, Miles, for joining us for another Back to Jerusalem podcast. We hope to do another one soon. Yeah. <laughs> See you soon. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us for another Back to Jerusalem podcast. Again, I'm Eugene Bach coming to you live from on delay from somewhere within the borders of America. 
for a wall-to-wall coverage. Thank you so much. God bless you.